Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to Mark's Gospel in chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 29. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and verse number 29. We're looking at those uh, places that Jesus visited while he was here on earth. We notice that he was in a manger. There he is to be worshipped by us. Today, let us not wait until tomorrow, but let us worship Him under the circumstances that we are in uh, right now. And then uh, we notice that Jesus is on the mountain. He is to be revealed to us. He is interested in showing Himself to us wherever we're at. We understand that Jesus never took a step out of the will of God. Every step was according to the divine purposes of God. But yet, all those steps were for us. And He's still stepping in us and still stepping with us. And I'm glad that He's interested in you. He's interested in me. But I want us to go a step further here in Mark's Gospel, chapter number one, verse number 29, we're going to notice a prominent place that Jesus visited. This place is mentioned 180 times in the four Gospels, and many of them in reference to Christ being there. And I want to preach on this subject. Jesus is in the house. He wants to be with us. Jesus is in the house. He wants to be with us. Now let's look at these verses and we'll emphasize this matter of Jesus coming to the house. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, verse 29, Mark chapter 1, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And we could scan through the New Testament and see many of the places, many of the homes, a favorite place of Jesus to visit. I remember when he called Matthew from the receipt of customs, from the IRS business. The very next passage tells us that he's at Matthew's house. Remember when he was going through Jericho, he saw Zacchaeus out on that limb, and he said, Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You remember that he was at Mary and Martha's house, sitting at the meal. When the lady came and bathed his feet with the ointment out of the alabaster box, he went into Jairus' house to touch uh, his daughter. So Jesus was fond of visiting folks. And I might say right here that I think he's pleased that you're in his house. You have come to his house tonight. But even more than that, I think he's interested in spending some time at your house. Let's notice. The Bible said in verse number 30, But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of the fever, and Anon, or immediately, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, them that were possessed with devils, 
And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and and when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. I want to emphasize this matter of Jesus being in the house. Now, Again, I believe that Jesus wants us to come to his house. But it's at his house that, that we present our best, don't we? I assume that everyone here that I, I look at is presentable. And uh, you've cleaned up and you've put on some clothes that would be uh, accommodating as far as the house of God is concerned. We come in fellowship and we say the best things one to another. Good to see you. Hope you've had a good day. Uh, Love you in the Lord. The Lord bless you. We say all of those sweet things to each other. We hug one another's neck. And uh, that's good. That's proper. The Lord is pleased with that. But I want to say to you that He's not only interested in being with you when you're at your best. He sort of wants to be in those locations when you're at your worst. And I don't know, but that the house is the place where the worst sides of us are discovered. It's the places where we not only get aggravated, but we feel the liberty to show that aggravation. It's the place where... Uh, we release uh, those feelings of anger and we fuss and we fight. And I don't see any halos out there. It's the, it, it, is, it is the very, uh, it is the very uh, spot from which everything that we are seems to revolve around. Though we leave there and go to work, we bring what's at work back home. And... Uh, it is there that we, we face our finances. It is there that, that we deal with the physical ailments and difficulties that we have. It, it is, 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 it's where we are at the most. We are at the house. And I think the Lord can help you here. But I'm going to tell you, if this is the only place you ever get any help, you're not getting much help. If this is the only place where you meet the Lord, you're just not meeting with Him much because at the most, you're going to meet with Him three, four, five hours a week. But He's interested in, in not only meeting with you in the house of God where you're at your best, but He wants to spend some time with you on your street, at your location, where you are who you really are. And there you don't put on a facade. There you don't uh, cover up anything. There 
You just are. And it is there where Christ can deal with you on the on the up and up level in, in all honesty because you know that when he speaks there, he sees and knows who that you are. He's interested in coming to your house. Now let me say just three or four things about that. Jesus is in the house. First of all, I would say to you, what a privilege. What a privilege that, that Jesus, the very Son of God would desire to spend time with you and with me. What an honor that the Lord of glory would be interested in us in spite of who we are and would come into our humble abodes and there would be with us at the house. What a privilege that is. He desires to be with us. He doesn't want to just meet with us in, in special places and at certain times, but he, he wants to be there with us all the time. What did he say in Revelation? I stand at the door and do what? I knock. He said, if any man will open up, I will come in. I will sup with him and he with me. He said, I'm interested in being in your presence. I'm interested in being near you and close to you. I want you to know in a personal way, not just a religious way, who I am. I want you to sense me in everyday living. I want to be there at the house. How precious and how privileged you and I are that Jesus would want to spend this time with us. Are we not privileged people? And you know the good news about that is, is he's not picky. You say, well, how do you know that he's not picky? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When the Lord saved me, if he'd have been picky, he'd have just sent me on the way. He'd have said, I saved you, but, you know, I'm not going to spend that much time with you. Uh, you, you, uh, you know, I'd ask uh, the, the, the type of person you are and, and the habits that you have and the way that you've been raised and things like that. I, can, I just can't live like that. But yet he didn't. When he saved me, he had a desire to be with me. And when he saved you, uh, your location... Uh, your status in life, what kind of house that you have, none of those things matter to him. He, he's not picky. Because if he'll stay with me, if he'll entertain me, if his presence will abide with me, then I sort of think that he'll do the same for you. We are privileged to have the Son of God who is not picky to come and to sit and to fellowship and to commune with our hearts. Jesus is at the house. We come earnestly seeking Him and looking for Him at His house. But long before you ever reach His house, may you look for Him at your house. Don't come to meet Him here. Bring him with you. 
And I'm going to tell you something. If you bring him with you, you'll know he's here. And the good news is, is when the meeting's over, you don't have to get all lonely like there's a separation happening because you know he's going back with you. I wondrous it is to know that there's never a moment in time that he is absent from you. But the truth of the matter is, have you recognized him? Have you, have you, uh, have you looked for him? Have you sought him? Have you fellowshiped with him in those places, especially at the house? Because it is a privileged thing. I think about this old world and I think about how godless and lifeless and hopeless it is. But yet I am so privileged to have the darling son of God so close. Now, I say to you, Jesus is in the house and it is a privilege. He is not picky. Even though you are who you are. With your peculiarities and your strangers, isn't it amazing that Christ doesn't mind spending time with you? He doesn't mind. I'm amazed at who he hangs out with. Isn't that amazing? I'm amazed at who who, who, uh, he spends time with. I'm amazed that he would do that for me. We are a privileged people because Christ desires to be with us. But you know, there's something else that I am aware of, and it it indirectly comes out of this text. I think maybe the ladies will, maybe they won't like this thought, and the men probably will. (laughs) On the physical side of it, but on the spiritual side, hopefully we'll all appreciate it. Jesus is in the house. We are privileged. He's not picky, but underscore this, and I'll emphasize it. Jesus is in the house. It does not have to be clean. Wow. Now, I'm not promoting nasty. Don't get that in your mind. But have you ever, have you ever said to the wife, you know, so-and-so, who's coming? You, you just found that out? You've known it two days? You're going to help me clean up. I'll tell you that. You get the broom and you vacuum and I'm going to see about this in here. We're going to clean up the house. I didn't know they were coming. Isn't that reality? We want no surprises because we don't want others to think that we're untidy or unclean. As a matter of fact, we may be a little extreme about that. For instance, there's just some things about housekeeping that doesn't make sense to me. One of those things is making a bed. Now, I can see the sense of cleaning up the kitchen. We don't have food laying around anymore. But you're going to get out of that bed in the morning and then you're going to go through, close the door after you leave. Oh yeah, somebody might break in and notice you didn't make your bed. They're going to be, they're going to spread it. Hey, yeah, I got caught breaking in there, but I'll tell you one thing, the bed wasn't made. No, I don't think that's going to be come up. But making a bed, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I just, it unnerves me. You're going to do the same thing that night. You're going to get in it. 
And most ladies, they don't just want to cover on the bed. No, they've got to have uh, the whole nine yards with all the fluffy pillows and all that other stuff. I'd rather wash a house full of dishes than make one bed. That's the truth. If I know for sure that I'm going to have to make the bed the next morning, I'm staying up all night. I'm not going to bed. No. Not me. But again, I'm not promoting uh, nastiness or dirtiness. But here you say, well, preacher, where do you get this thought that that the house doesn't have to be clean? For je-? Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you. When, when Jesus goes into Simon Peter's house, I find no place where he has sent someone ahead to tell Simon's wife, hey, Jesus has come. When he calls Zacchaeus down from the tree, he doesn't say, now Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today, but uh, how, about, uh, how about sending somebody ahead and make sure the wife's ready and prepared? There's no time of preparation. Whatever's in that house is in that house, and that's what Jesus is going to find when he gets there. But here's the truth of the matter. If you think somehow you're going to clean that house to the point in time to where he can't see no dirt, you're sadly mistaken. Because he came from glory where there has never been a spot nor a blemish. He can see under that carpet. He can see under that throw rug. He can see in the back of the refrigerator. He can see under the bed. He can see behind the piano. He can see the places where you don't have time to clean. And even if you did... It ain't going to be clean enough for him. But he's not worried about that. Now think about what Paul said in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Haven't you heard people say, preacher, you know, I've been wanting to go to church and as soon as me and my wife gets things ironed out and I get some things straightened out in my life, I'm I'm thinking about coming to church. No, you won't ever show up. You won't ever show up. If you're waiting until you get the house in order to invite Jesus to come, it's never going to be in order. You say, well, what should I do? Invite him to come. The songwriter said, just as I am without one plea. Invite him to come just as it is. And if things are not like they ought to be, he can clean the house for you. Have you ever seen the old drunk? I've heard him testify many a time in meeting that they had all kinds of stuff in the refrigerator, but they got saved. Jesus went home with them. And they opened that refrigerator and poured it down the sink. Back in the mountains of North Carolina, them old rednecks back there, they'd raise their marijuana and put it in the closet. I don't know why. Don't ask me. It's in the closet. But I can remember one old boy testifying. He said, as soon as I got saved, when I went home, he said, I went to that closet and I got that old marijuana out of there and disposed of that weed, that grass. But isn't it true that there have been so many things in our lives, things that nobody else knew about, secret things, hidden things, things in the house and things in the heart. But thank God when Jesus showed up, you knew he could see those things. He was not pleased with those things. And thank God he began to clean your life up. (laughs) Well, I'm sure things were not up to par at Zacchaeus' house when he got there. 
But he made the difference. I'm sure things were not as they ought to be at Matthew's house. See, he was a sinner, a, a publican. He, he said that he was. And, and I'm sure there were some, a lot of things there that would be displeasing to Christ. But he didn't have time to take care of that. He just met Christ as he came by the, the, uh, the receipt of customs. But thank God Jesus would take care of that. Oh, good news, good news, children. Just ask the Lord, just come on home with me. And if there's anything that ain't pleasing to you, you point it out, and I know you can clean it up. You can clean up my attitude. You can clean up my actions. You can clean up my refrigerator. You can clean up my library. You, you can clean up my TV. You can clean it all up. He's in the cleaning business. Thank God, and he can do it spick and span. Jesus is in the house. What a privilege. How honored we are. He's not picky. And thank God, he is there to to clean. He is there to do what you can't do. And I say to you, it doesn't have to be perfect. He'll take care of that. But then I notice and want to amplify that Jesus is in the house. Not only are we privileged, he's not picky. It doesn't have to be perfect. But look in verse 30, what happens? Well, isn't Jesus timely? But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of the fever. Well, that's a good time to have Jesus there when things are just not like you'd like for them to be. When things seem to have gone wrong, when there are physical problems and other difficulties that are beyond your capabilities, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of the fever. You know... If we're not careful, we'll keep Jesus at a distance. A lot of folks like Jesus on Sunday. Oh, I, I wouldn't miss church. I like Jesus on Sunday. And they, they may even like Jesus, uh, you know, a few other times of the week. But, you know, letting Jesus come in and just sort of have an influence over everything, that's, that's just a little, that's stretching it, isn't it? And so what they do is they kind of keep him at a distance. And then when things began to go wrong, when the tragedy hits and you get the news or the sickness comes or the job is lost and, and the finances are, are difficult and, and uh, you need some help beyond your own strength, aren't you glad you don't have to call long distance? Nah. I'm sure Brother Bob will do all that he can do, but do not lay the burden on him of being able to meet all your needs. He cannot do that. And when those times come, if he's all you've got and you can't get a hold of him, you're in trouble. But thank God if you have invited Jesus into your heart, you have invited Jesus into your home, you invited Jesus into your world, then he's never far off. You don't have to call the preacher first. 
You can let him know, but thank God you can get a hold of the Son of God right where you're at. And in so doing, he already knows the difficulties that are at hand. And you can just call upon him and know that he is there. He came to perform with power and meet the needs of our hearts and lives. We have no promise of what tomorrow holds. We don't know about our circumstances and situations that lie ahead. But you really don't have to know. You know the one that does know. And he is close by. Jesus is there. But the reason why he is there is he's there to perform miracles, to do things that are beyond your capabilities. And it not only touches this house. Jesus is at this house. But notice as a result of him being prominent in this home, it begins to touch many other houses. He's come to your house because he wants to meet your needs. But if he can meet your needs, he'll use you to meet somebody else's needs. And they began to congregate there. Did you notice there in the text, the Bible said... In verse 32, and at even the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And the city was gathered about at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and of devils and, and, and so on. Can, can, you ama- can you imagine the mighty works that Christ did in all of these hearts and all these lives just because he was close enough to do it? But see, the truth of the matter is, You and I can get a hold of him before we can get a hold of anybody else because if he's in the house, he knows where that daughter is when nobody knows where she's at. He knows what that son's going through when no one else knows what they're... He knows the tomorrow as far as the business is concerned when nobody... He knows about your health issues when nobody else... When the doctor can't explain it, he knows... And when you can lay down your bed at night and know that he is there and be well assured that when you awake in the morning, he's going to be there also. How blessed it is to know that he's there and he's there because he knows the day is going to come when you're going to run into some issues that you're going to need his help. And thank God he's not long distance. He is there to minister. He is there to meet our needs. So Jesus is in the house. It is a privilege. He's not picky. You don't have to be perfect. He is there to perform a miracle. Notice with me, if you will, though, in verse number 35. This verse has a sad Declension to it, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. Now Simon tries to get him to come back, and he refuses to do so. I want to say to you lastly tonight that Jesus is in the house, but do not take him for granted. Do not be presumptuous on the Lord. Yes, while he was in the house, what a wonderful day that must have been. I would have loved to have been at Capernaum at that house and seeing those individuals come out of there, no doubt scores of them. It says many. And can you imagine the, Jew, the, 
jubilation and the, and the, the happiness and, and the thrill of all of those people when these great wonders have been taking place in their loved ones' lives or in their lives. A man who's had to beg for many years because he could not work, uh, he, he was lame, and he walks out of that house and he looks at his wife and says, Honey, it's not going to be like it used to be. I'm able to work now. I'm able to walk. So can you hear that family as they go to the house and how they are, they are praising God? Well, can you imagine that family who's brought their son over there and, and he's so full of, of demons and of the devil and, and they've had to fight with that for so many years and all of a sudden, like the maniac Kadera, he's in his right mind and he's hugging mom and daddy and they're hugging him and he's saying, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I, I sure am sorry and I'm glad you brought me to this house and I'm glad that Jesus touched me. And, and can you imagine that night in that house of that day? What joy there must have been. All the way through, whatever the diseases, whatever the infirmities, he's healing one after another, and there is no doubt great joy heard in Capernaum. That's a wonderful day. I'll tell you, isn't it a day of rejoicing when a sinner walks the aisle, even in a Baptist church, if it's just one sinner that we know has been captivated with vices and sin on the way to hell, and they trust Christ, and we all say, Hallelujah. Or when a prodigal son comes home and has gotten right with God, we all say hallelujah. It's a wonderful and wondrous thing. Or when the Lord touches someone and heals them in our midst that we know was, uh, was terminally ill. We, we rejoice in that. Well, could you imagine all of that happening a happening, uh, uh, hundred times over on the same day? Wow. You're talking about, I believe I'd have shouted with them. I'd have run with them. I'd have said, buddy, I'm just, I'm going to have a good time. You're having a good time. I'm having a good time with you. What a wondrous experience that that must have been. And those possibilities are always possible if Christ is around. There is nothing impossible with him. There will nothing come your way or in anybody else's way. But what we can't be assured that the Lord can take care of that. That's why it's good to have him at the house. But I think probably the saddest day in Capernaum would have been the next day after Christ has exited. Because you do know that nothing's going to happen if Jesus is not there. Now, if he is there, he can heal and he can touch and he can cast out demons. He can do the whole nine yards, but once he's gone, you can go through the motions, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It is vital and important that we don't just come to church, but it's important that he shows up. Because I'm going to tell you something, if he doesn't, if he is not the minister, my words are in vain. Your presence does not avail. Our songs are empty. We need him in our midst to permeate. We need the power of the Holy One to come down upon us. He is the one that empowers us. But you see, if we're not careful in religion, we'll begin to go through the formalities and the motions and not realize he slipped out. 
The money said, well, why didn't he see Paul? Because he wasn't being recognized anyway. We had gotten so settled on the everyday formalities. We sing the song, we take up the offering, and we listen to the sermon, and we go to the house. Well, he's not being recognized, so why does he want to hang around? He wants it to be so that when he heads for the door, you head after him and say, whoa, wait a minute. We don't want to be here by ourselves. Oh, Dad, if you're going, I'm going. <laughs> uh, we want to be where you're at. And it ought to be our solemn cry to the Lord. Lord, I, I want you to be here. I want you to remain. I, I want you to be the one that is exalted and magnified. You are everything. And we should give him that that. Holy, high, exalted place in our hearts, in our homes, and in the house of God and everywhere else we are. And so that we'll know if he's slipping away. But he slipped out at night. And the sad thing would have been to have been at Capernaum the next day and walk down the street and see somebody that was lame, someone that was blind. Somebody possessed with the devil. And you said to yourself, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that. Jesus was here all day yesterday. It, it, did you not know that? Couldn't somebody have taken... You could have went there. He would have taken care of that. Now there's no hope. He's not here. As I say, it's so easy to become religious in our functions and lose sight of the one that is all important. I think America has done that, don't you? We say that this is a Christian nation. I'll tell you, I travel just about all over this country, and I don't know where that's at nowadays. But I do know in the beginning that God rested in revivals. I think about Jonathan Edwards in the New England states and the 1700s, this nation would have never got off its feet if that revival hadn't taken place. It united all of the colonies. Did you know that many of the governors of each colony had never traveled out of its individual states like Maryland and North Carolina and places like that? Never crossed their boundaries. The people had never left those states. But during that revival in Jonathan Edwards' day, God was doing such a work that people would leave their own states and go to other states to where those revivals were taking place. It brought, really, it brought those, for the first time, it brought those 13 colonies together. Revival. And I'm talking about hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Christ as a result of that. Same thing happened in the 1800s under Charles Finney. But isn't it amazing now me and the wife two years ago took a trip up into the New England states on a motorcycle. But I noticed uh, some things while I was up there. I noticed that you really don't see many churches. And all of the old churches are, are either antique stores or something of that nature. I mean, it is a scarcity of any kind of church. I'm not just talking about a Baptist church, any kind of church. I noticed the absence of that. There was a, a void of, of God. I spoke to one man about his soul who was 
hiking the Appalachian Trail. I said, do you know the Lord Jesus? He said, well, he said, to be honest with you, he said, I read two religious books when I was young because I thought one day I might run into somebody like you. And as far as I could tell, I was the first person he had run into that had approached him about Christ. This is in the United States. And the thing that I noticed in those New England states is the same thing that I noticed out west when I went out there. We met many people and were in many shopping areas and things like that. There was an eerie absence. Get this. There was an eerie absence of laughter. No. I said to my wife, I said, have you noticed we traveled all through the New England states and I did not hear laughter over five or six times. Didn't hear it. And then it dawned on me. You know why I'm not hearing laughter? If you have been sold the false bill of evolution and you believe that you had no purpose when you come into this world, you really don't have no purpose when you leave this world, and everything's just an accident and a happenstance and, and, uh, and so on, then what do you got to rejoice about? What is the laughter? If it's not, if it's not entertaining through some, some vulgar joke or something like that, they don't have any laughter, though joy within them. Why? Because there's no God. He's been gone. There is the absence of that, that joy. But isn't it, isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful to get around God's people who know the Lord and they're saved and you can just hear that holy laughter, that peaceful uh, joy that is within them. But I'm going to tell you something. While that is absent in the New England states, it, it is also becoming absent in other parts of our country. I just preached here a while back in the mountains of North Carolina, and I told that church, I said, you know, this church has known, these mountains have known the presence of God for years. But I say to you that it is the most difficult place that I preach in nowadays. A place where God was just evident and prevailed and moved so often. I remember Esther's grandfather saying to me one time, he was 90-some years old, passed away in 1986, and he had pastored all over those mountains. He said, son, it's going to be harder for you than it was for me. And I said, why, Grandpa? He said, the spirit is gone. There's an absence of spirit. It's so hard to minister where there is no spirit. But it ought to be your cry, Lord, while on others thou art calling, would you not pass us by? And no matter how many shows up, would you show up? And Lord, would you minister and may we sense your presence while we are here. And Lord, when we leave this place, may we be aware of you even in our homes and in our hearts and wherever we are. He slipped out by night. And they didn't realize he was gone until it was... Too late. The Bible said, Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. I like it when Jesus is near, don't you? I like it when Jesus is close. I like it, as someone has said, I like to go to the Lord's house when he's at home. 
But I also like to be at home when He is there. He can be real to you here. He can be real to you there. He can meet your needs here. He can even more fully meet your needs there. He is willing and how privileged we are that He would want to spend personal time with each one of us. Jesus is in the house. He wants to be with us. He wants to be with you.